Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and to build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. Once there was a girl who would represent a lot of firsts and would rise to become one of the most powerful people in the world. Her name is Kamala. Kamala grew up in Berkeley, California, surrounded by radical thinkers and creative spirits. Her parents, Shamala and Donald, were student activists, young people who were fighting for equal rights for all. And they brought her along to protests and marches they attended. With her pigtails tied neatly with pink ribbons, her white tights and black patent leather shoes, Kamala would raise one tiny little fist defiantly into the air in solidarity with those around her. People chanted and waved their signs. Kamala joined right in. She tugged at her mother who bent down, her long, shiny black braid hanging low. What do you want? She asked. Freedom! Little Kamala yelled. These electrifying moments that her parents exposed her to inspired Kamala as she would move from the classroom to the courtroom and finally to one of the highest offices in the land. Select a woman as his vice president. I'm Alana Glazer, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls a fairy tale podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. On this episode, Kamala Harris, breaker of glass ceilings, daughter of immigrants, proud woman of color, and the first female vice president of the United States of America. You could say that Kamala's political career began even before she was born because her parents met at a protest. They were both students at the University of California at Berkeley. Her mom, Shamala Gopalan, was a formidable, five-foot-tall immigrant from India studying biology. And Kamala's dad, Donald Harris, had come from Jamaica to study economics. Shamala's family expected her to enter an arranged marriage, a traditional cultural practice in India where your parents choose your husband or wife for you but Shamala was anything but traditional. She and Donald fell in love, got married, and named both their daughters after Hindu goddesses. Shamala once said that a culture that worships goddesses produces strong women. When Kamala was seven, her parents got divorced. Kamala and her sister Maya would still see their dad on weekends and during the summer, but much of their time was spent with their mom. Beyond her work as an influential breast cancer researcher, Shamala was also a leader in her community. She mentored students of color and counseled African-American women battling breast cancer. 
and she was determined that her daughters would grow up understanding both their Indian heritage and their African-American roots. So Shamala not only had the girls study at the Hindu temple, she also had them attend an African-American church and sing in the choir. On Thursday nights, they went to the Rainbow Sign, a Black cultural center near their home. There, they were exposed to extraordinary people, like Nina Simone, a singer and civil rights activist, Maya Angelou, the famous Black poet, and Shirley Chisholm, the first African-American woman elected to Congress. In fact, at that very moment, Shirley Chisholm was about to become the first woman and the first Black person to run for the President of the the United United States of America. These female leaders made their mark on Kamala. With Nina and Maya and Shirley and Shamala as her role models, there's not a lot that could hold her back. When Kamala was 12, her mom received a job offer in Montreal, Canada, and off the family went. But at their new apartment building, Kids weren't allowed to play on the front lawn. What? This could not stand. So Kamala and her sister organized. They got all the kids together to protest this inequity. And they were successful. The owner of the building changed the rule and playtime was on. Because from front lawns and beyond, Kamala had taken to heart the words of her mother. Don't just sit around and complain about things. Do something. Kamala Harris graduated from her high school in Montreal. After her early years surrounded by Black and brown people in California, she had now spent more than half a decade in majority white spaces. She wanted something different, and she decided to attend the historically Black college Howard University in Washington, D.C. So she moved back to the United States and double majored in political science and economics, just like her dad. At Howard, Kamala joined the debate team, chaired the Economics Society, and became a member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, the first Black sorority in the United States. But the West Coast beckoned. After graduation, Kamala returned to the Bay Area to attend the Hastings College of Law at the University of California, San Francisco. And her sister Maya was there too. She was studying at UC Berkeley and had given birth to her own daughter. Kamala was now an auntie. And soon she would be a lawyer too. In 1989, Kamala sat for her bar exam. This is a huge test you have to take to become a lawyer. And in California, it's two whole days long. Imagine taking a test for two whole days. The room was quiet, except for the scratching of pencils and the sounds of people thinking really hard. Everyone was nervous. They'd been studying for this test for months. Many of them wouldn't pass. 
And Kamala was one of those people. She failed this big test on the first try. But in 1990, she took it again. And this time, she passed. Kamala had decided that she wanted to be a prosecutor, the kind of lawyer that proves people did the crimes they're accused of instead of a defense attorney who defends people who are accused of those crimes. Her mom was not happy about it. Shamala believed that the justice system was unfair to people of color. But Kamala felt that real change could come from being an insider. Having successfully argued her case to her mom, Kamala took a position in the Alameda County District Attorney's Office in Oakland, California. And after working tirelessly for eight years, she was recruited to the San Francisco DA's office to run the Career Criminal Division. The law was interesting and fulfilling, but politics and public service interested Kamala even more. In 2003, she ran against her former boss for district attorney in San Francisco. Kamala won. Foreshadowing what would come, she became the first female DA in San Francisco's history and the first Black and South Asian person to hold the office. But she wasn't done. In 2009, Kamala decided to run for Attorney General of California, which is basically the top lawyer in the whole state. But while her political star was on the rise, tragedy was around the corner. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans, and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF, which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's ifs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. If is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina, and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh-out-loud adventure for the whole family. If comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? Oh, Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17th. Bring your imaginary friends too. While Kamala was running to become attorney general, her mom was hospitalized with colon cancer. Kamala visited her mother in the hospital every chance she got. 
Shamala was so tired from the side effects of her treatments that she had stopped watching the news and reading the paper. But Kamala liked to just spend time next to her, whether she was awake or not. During one of these visits, Shamala summoned the strength to ask, what's going on with the campaign? Kamala, who was down in the polls, told her mom that she was going to get her butt kicked. Shamala leaned over and looked at her daughter with a big smile and said, bring it on. Good luck to them. She knew her daughter would overcome whatever they put in her way. After her mother passed away, Kamala threw herself into her work and fought even harder in a race that she was not expected to win against a popular Republican man. On election night the following November, the San Francisco Chronicle declared him the winner, and he made his victory speech. But three weeks later, when all the ballots were finally counted, Kamala had actually won! by less than a point, which is why every vote matters. She would go on to serve two terms as Attorney General of California before moving on to even higher offices. In 2014, Kamala married Doug Emhoff, a lawyer in Los Angeles who she had met on a blind date a year before. Doug himself is also a first, the first man and the first Jewish vice presidential spouse. But let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Because first, we have to get to 2016 when Kamala won her Senate race. I am so proud to represent this beautiful, diverse state. Election night 2016 was bittersweet. While Kamala won the right to represent the people of California in the United States Senate, the presidential candidate she supported, Hillary Clinton, lost her bid to become president. The next few years in Washington looked very different from decades past. Donald Trump was president, and senators like Kamala were doing their best to try to address issues within the administration. Kamala used the techniques she learned as a lawyer to hold elected and appointed officials accountable. Videos of her kept going viral. Too many people in America are sitting in jail. We cannot ever give up fighting. Black lives have not been taken seriously as being fully... After a few years in Washington, Kamala didn't like what she was seeing. And when she was young and she had a problem, her mother would ask, well, what did you do? As in, what did you do to fix it? So, Kamala ran for president. She asked her sister, Maya, who had been a top policy advisor for Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign, to be her campaign chairwoman. And she made big waves when she said bold and challenging statements to former Vice President Joe Biden, who everyone was pretty sure would win the nomination. Joe did win the nomination. And we all know what happened next. Just before many places in the United States started to lock down because of the coronavirus, Kamala Harris endorsed Joe Biden for president. That's just a fancy way of saying she thought he'd be best for the job and said as much. And then in August of that year, Joe asked Kamala to run alongside him 
as vice president. The second highest office in America. The vice president not only takes over if the president can't do the job anymore, they're also the president of the Senate. Their vote in the Senate can break a tie if the Senate is deadlocked. Kamala said yes. Because of the pandemic, politics looked a lot different in 2020. Usually, political parties hold a big event called a convention, where they name the person that will be the head of their party that election cycle. But that year, no crowds. Instead, Kamala walked on stage to speak in front of a quiet, almost empty room. There was no one there, except reporters in masks. Those throngs of cheering people from past conventions were now in the parking lot outside, or sitting safely at home watching on TV. My mother taught me that service to others gives life purpose and meaning. And oh, how I wish she were here tonight, but I know she's looking down on me from above. I keep thinking about that 25-year-old Indian woman, all of five feet tall, who gave birth to me at Kaiser Hospital in Oakland, California. On that day, she probably could have never imagined that I would be standing before you now and speaking these words. I accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States of America. This was a hard moment in the United States. A moment when strong people must stand up and do a difficult job. And Kamala Harris stood up. It was almost time to vote when Halloween 2020 arrived. It was a very different kind of Halloween than years before. Lots of kids stayed home instead of going out trick-or-treating. But people still dressed up. And all over the United States, little rebels repped Kamala's signature style. A blazer, jeans, and Converse high tops. And on election week 2020, after many days of vote counting and recounting, Kamala Harris became vice president-elect of the United States of America. In her victory speech, she stood in a white pantsuit on a socially distanced stage in a parking lot in Delaware. She paid homage to the many women, including her mother, Shamala, who came before her. And Vice President Kamala Harris acknowledged the many women who will come after. But while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last. podcast is a production of Rebel Girls. It's based on the book series, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. Executive producers are Jess Wolf and Katie Springer. This episode was produced by Isaac Kaplan-Wolner. Sound design and mixing by Bianca Salinas. Corinne Peterson is production manager. This episode was written by Robin Adams. Proofread by Ariana Rosas. It was narrated by me, Alana Glazer. Original theme music was composed and performed by Elettra Barjaki. For more, visit rebelgirls.com. Until next time, stay rebel.
Thanks for listening to this episode, Rebels. Did you know there's a whole world of Rebel Girls to explore? Go to rebelgirls.com slash more to check out our latest books, t-shirts, crafting kits, and, well, more. Visit rebelgirls.com slash more. Until next time, stay rebel.